Content warning. This episode contains mention of attempted suicide. I can't say this to a lot of people because they don't understand, but um, like I get so much power from myself in that role. And it's not just about the sexual side of it. That's such necessary and remarkable reclamation work, especially as a woman who comes out of a fundamentalist Christian environment, because every message we ever received was had something to do with this um, implication that we were not allowed to be on our own, or not allowed to be okay on our own, like we were being kind of bred for complementarianism. This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual de- and re-construction. Season 2, Episode 7, The Long Road Home. Hi. Hi. You can hear me now. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. We did it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to throw my computer at a window. I'm getting a new one soon, and this one has just been... It's its a senior citizen as far as I'm concerned. It's just not, it's not keeping up so well, so thank you for your patience. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, um, you're actually my first one of these calls, um, so I'm really excited about it. So I'm your very first call? <laughs> yes, you are. You're my first call. Like, the, I'm, I'm popping your cherry. You are! Awesome. You're popping my airing of grief call cherry. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I am too. I'm too. Can you hear me well? Is there, do I have a good connection? Because I'm, like, sitting in my car. <laughs> yeah, no, you sound great. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. I don't even know where to start, you know, like I feel um, like I had, you know, like I wanted to like sit down and actually think about what I was going to say. And it's weird how, you know, uh, well, not obviously, but I like I'm an ex, you know, I'm an ex-Christian, I guess you would say. But it's weird, like, thinking about um, how, like, before in this situation, like, I would have, like, prayed to God, you know. Mm. Like, give me the words. But, like, I was literally um, talking to someone before this. And I was like, I'm going to pray to myself. Oh, <laughs> and yes. just, like, ask for the words to say because I feel like I have so much to say. But then it, like, all escapes me when I think about being put on the spot <laughs> so yeah. I mean I guess it's weird um how these conversations like have kind of like evolved past giving feedback on the fingers crossed album and I was telling Derek I was like man this is like evolved like mm-hmm. into y'all just making way like to like give voice to a community like I feel like mm-hmm. it's evolved like 
into that. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's where I feel like I have something relevant to say. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, I'd love to hear what that is. And I'd also love to know a little bit more about you. I know that you, I know that Derek mentioned that you guys know one another. Um, but I'd love to hear more about you as a person than to hear about your experience as well. Yeah. So, um, I guess like, um, it's fair to start off with like, just like a little bit of backstory. Mm -hmm. I know that when I was younger, um, so I come from a family of six kids, like I'm the oldest girl. Um, and then I have an older brother and then four younger sisters. So, um, my parents, are divorced now. They used to be together. But, um, when we were younger, I grew up, um, you know, I think my mom grew up Lutheran. Um, and she was very, all I know is she was very like religious, I guess, um, or very, you know, all about her faith. Like my dad wasn't even a Christian when they got married. And, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, so the story goes is that, you know, um, so many times of her playing like sermons and stuff over tape, um, cassette <laughs> tapes, like he, like, you know, finally like, went with her, down. you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, fast forward to us and, um, you know, all I know is growing up in a church mm-hmm. where we all went as a family, um, the type of church where you wore dresses and, mm-hmm. um, I would say more of a conservative, mm-hmm. I have no idea what dom- denomination, all I know is early off, like when I was younger, um, we were homeschooled. Um, my mom homeschooled us. I was homeschooled until I was in junior high. And a big part of like my childhood was, um, was spent with my, my aunt's family, my mom's sister, like they had an even bigger family than ours and even more conservative Christian than, than, than I would say Mm. my family was. Um, like my, my uncle was, I remember like from a young age, always, um, not understanding why like the girls couldn't do things that all Mm. of the boy cousins could do. Um, and that was just the thing. We didn't question it when we, and, and my parents weren't so much like that, but you know, kind of let it happen when we were over there. Cause we spent like, they lived so close to us and they homeschooled as well. So we spent so much time over there. And I just remember feeling enraged even like when I was younger. And then like when I got probably around the age of like 10 or 11, like being able to vocalize, like, why, why do the boys get to do these things? Why do they get to go to the movies and we have to stay home and do chores? Like literally mm. <laughs> that's yeah. what it was. Um, and so, you know, I already felt that, um, like really young. Um, I also like, I also come from, I come from like a childhood of like always knowing depression. So, mm. um, so like, <laughs> sorry. Okay. So it's crazy, um, like to look back on it now, um, mm. And a little bit more further into my story will make a little bit more sense. But it's crazy. Um, it's crazy to think about the fact that that's all that I knew. Like when I was, mm. I, I, I remember moments of happiness. Like um, my dad used to take us camping and stuff like that. And I loved all of that. But um, 
everything else I felt like very heavy like any anything that happened like any situation um even before I had like words to really explain how um or why I just like always felt like a heaviness um and um and it's actually funny mental health something that was ever talked about in your home or in your church community at all um not well not until um not until like I was um, a teenager, mm-hmm. until I was older. Yeah. So we, so, um, so we moved away from that area where my mom's sister lived, and we moved and started going to a Presbyterian church in Sacramento. Like I grew up in Sacramento, or, uh, California. So we mm-hmm. moved to Sacramento and um, started going to this church. Um, you know, junior high went to public school. My like. Like, the conservativeness, like, kind of, like, loosened up. Um, my, my parents weren't so, like, um, I don't really know how to explain it or give examples, but it just wasn't, like, the same. Like, we wore jeans to church and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I, I love to sing, so when... Um, you know, I got, like, I, this church, I felt, like, very at home in the community, like... Um, doing choir and musicals and things um, and getting involved with the youth group. Like, I genuinely felt like the people were good, open-minded people as far as open-minded Christians can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but still always felt the heavy, this heaviness, you know, like the, the way that I understood like a relationship with God and Christianity and, you know, I understood, like, you know, it to be important that you believe in Jesus and, um, you know, that that he's God's son and that he died for your sins and that you would go to heaven. Right. Um, I would n- I never, like, dealt with the very, like, fire and brimstone type mm. of church, but I knew that that's what I needed, you know. Sure. Um, and, you know, like, like most everyone that I've heard talk, you know, like, I always had doubts of that, but it was more... Um, that I grew up hearing like it's like like Christianity is a personal relationship between you mm, and God and right. and the Holy Spirit and that was something that I never knew. Um, so like you know I I would pray and try but then a lifetime of not hearing anything yeah. I just I would I would create things and be like well well that must be you yeah. know God you know like I would yeah. create so that, or like but not really believing it in my heart. And um, so when I was 14, I went on a missions trip to Mexico with this church Mm -hmm. and um, like came back to find out that my parents were um, getting divorced and that my mom. You came back to find that out? I came back to find that out. (gasps) And I actually like kind of knew that it was going to happen because the pastor's daughter was a friend of mine and she kind of told me that she overheard mm-hmm. a counseling session with her dad and my parents and oh. like she like I found all of this out within a week like oh, of being in Mexico um and thinking like she must be fucking like she must have heard the wrong like she must be thinking of someone else's right. parents yeah. like she maybe she like overheard wrong because she mm-hmm. was like she felt bad and she she was like I don't know maybe it's not true so I came back like not knowing and then that being true but also being more than that that my mom had been cheating on my dad for years mm. and that she was actually like in the in the psych ward because she tried to kill herself. Oh my god. 
I mean, that didn't completely, like, that wasn't the point where I was like, okay, God isn't real, but, like, that tore apart, like, my church community, like, mm. my family. Like, my dad, like, eventually stopped going to church. Like, um, just crazy situations. Like, I didn't talk to my mom for a year, like, all of this. Um, but what it meant in as far as, like, you know, our, our church life, like, my dad stopped going and really, like, gave up his beliefs, yeah. which he probably didn't have to begin with. Sure, yeah. And, <laughs> Seems like and it wasn't kind of, so much of his choice to begin yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And, and he kind of let us still go because for a while I still felt comfort in that community. Mm-hmm. And there was even, like, a family that took my mom in and tried to help her. Like, the, the, the people were pretty, like, understanding, but... Um, it was like a thing that everyone knew about, you know? Yeah. And, um, how that affected me is, um, like I just, faith was this thing that, you know, was supposed to be like the center of my life, but I did, I couldn't fall back on that because it wasn't really there, you know? Um, and I was, you know, at this point, my dad was like counseling therapy, Mm. like, um, you know, and I found out that I'm like bipolar and, mm-hmm. um, my mom was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well. Wow. And within that, like, I just wanted to rebel against that too. So at a young age, I started doing drugs, like mm-hmm. really, um, just as a way to escape, but it got into even more than that. Um, and I became like physically addicted to heroin mm-hmm. when I was really young. Mm-hmm. So, How old um, you? Well, I was 18 when I went to rehab the first time. Um, I don't really know, like, how fast it progressed, but I know, like, from the age of 16 to 18, like, I just, I I can't believe I graduated high school. Um, I graduated early because I was like, I got to get out of here and Mm -hmm. um, just went straight into that even harder. And, you know, so I decided I I was in an unhealthy relationship um, at the end of, like when I first got clean and in rehab, I found out I was pregnant with my son. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, and you know, the dad was like, no, I'm not going to do this with you. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, it's fine. I got this. Um, but the more important thing with all of that is that, you know, I grew up hearing that, you know, um, hearing these stories of God, like, healing people from their physical ailments, you know, like miraculous things. And then I also remember thinking, like reading about how Paul, like God gave him this thorn, you know what Mm. I mean? Like this thorn of the flesh. And, and like, because I prayed and prayed and prayed for like him to like take this urge to use drugs away, Mm. like, or, you know, for some sort of voice, like, and all that. And I never heard it. Um, so I was like, well, I'm, am I supposed to be like, like Paul, like, is, do I just have this? Do I just that, live like, with it? Is it just what yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. the lot that I drew? Like just this is right. what I've been given. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got, I, I, I got clean for a little while. Um, I had my son and I moved to Texas to get away from that abusive relationship because mm-hmm. his, his father, like my son's father tried to come back and we tried, but you know, there's with, with drugs there, like you can't, there's just, and even without them, he was just like emotionally and verbally abusive. So I left, like I just, one day I called my mom cause my mom and 
um, my stepdad, which is actually the guy she left my dad for, to um, they're still together to this day. Um, they had moved out mm-hmm. to Texas, and a little bit of healing had gone on between, you know, me and my mom at that point. And she was really the only one who was, like, very supportive of, like, me having a child. She wanted to help her baby know how to raise a baby. So I I just called her one day and I was like, I just left everything behind and me and my son moved out here. And, um, I remember like doing, having a a short relapse for a little while. And when I was in my younger twenties, but, um, I don't remember at what age, but it was, you know, it's a little less than 10 years that I've been off of drugs. So, um, but I remember the second time it being so much worse and like praying so much harder and, just like getting to the point where there were circumstances that, you know, would have, you would think would like move somebody to change their life, but those didn't have fucking any effect on me. Like I was still like deep in it, no matter, like, you know what I mean? Like I, I could have like hit rock bottom harder, but, Mm -hmm. um, it didn't take that, you know, I didn't get everything taken away from me this time. I just, I just remember, like, I just have to get up out of this bed that I'm laying in. And even though I'm so sick, I just have to go. I have to go. Like, um, because at this point, my dad was, like, pleading with me, like, I will pay for rehab. Just go. Just go. And so I went again. And um, it was, like, the the most physically, like, the hardest thing that I ever did. I can't even imagine. And, like... And it just, I just remember like feeling like heartbroken that like, I didn't feel like God was there, you know? And feeling like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know, I am like the epitome of desperation and um, how, whatever the Sermon on the Mount says, like blessed are like the, like the poor in spirit, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, all of those things, like I felt like I was like, even though I was doing horrible things, like my heart was like, like, I'm just broken, like, help me, like, I don't care, just take mm-hmm. it, you know, take me in. Um, but I, I did it myself, you know? Um, like, I pulled my ass up and and um, did that, you know, with the support of a lot of great people and family. But, um, so at that point, I just kind of, um, I just kind of knew, but on and off um, the past years, from that point up until now, I just, um, it's just has just nothing has been there and hmm. it really um I I went to a few churches I kind of still went because my mom went and um I just I, I don't even know when it, I think it was last year that I was like you know what this this isn't like God's not real <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. Like, and if he is, he's not real to me. <laughs> it's, you it's, know? That, it's a catch. It's, and it's a losing game either way because it's either, yeah. it's either God's not real at all or, or God just decided to not like me yeah. <laughs> in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's kind of like where I, Derek's album and talking to him and just like this whole thing that y'all are doing kind of put words to like mm. what I had been feeling and knowing for right. like you know the past yeah. couple of years yeah and I didn't even know there was like a community of people who like <laughs> did this you know what yep. I mean like yeah and it's crazy to think that I wouldn't even fathom that people would leave their faith and like have to go through that um mm. but I think it's funny that's a that's a common theme I hear is that every single person thinks that they're doing it alone 
until yeah. they discover, until the moment that they discover that there's so many other people who were all thinking that too. <laughs> and then we well, all find each other and realize yeah. that none of us have been. A letter. Hi, Derek. In an interesting turn of events today, I was looking through my Facebook memories, and apparently, and for reasons that I cannot nor care to recall, I had posted a video of I Just Don't Want Coffee. It has been a very, very long time since I've heard that song. I lost the CD in a divorce about 15 years ago. I saw Cademan's call in Boston for the 40 Acres tour, and again at some high school in some town in Pennsylvania for the Long Line of Leavers tour. Garrett and I chatted a bit about his solo project afterwards, but you and I have not actually met. Your music has been at least in my periphery both before and after. All that to say, I found your website and thus found The Airing of Grief. And thanks be to the gods of the internet algorithms. I am pausing the fourth episode to write this, and to thank you for creating this community of sorts. It would seem that we're in very similar places spiritually. My line is in the water, as you said in one of the episodes, but the ball is sort of in whomever and whatever's court to do whatever needs doing to get any more from me than I, in clear conscience and intellectual honesty, can give. I'm not really mad, except maybe at myself for not catching on sooner, but any god worth anything gets that and isn't going to punish a person doing their best to honestly doubt and believe. And fuck him if he can't. It's been about five years since I would call myself a Christian. My wife and two kids were living in the United Arab Emirates for a couple of years for the two years before that. It was sort of my last-ditch hope that maybe it was only fat, dumb, and happy American Christianity that was lacking. Sadly, two years playing Anglican with the most diverse church you'll likely find on earth, 80% of the country is made up of expats from all over the world, and a missions trip to the real India with that church did not strike any sort of death blow to my doubts. I've had doubts through my whole time of being a Christian, and in all honesty, I'm grateful that those doubts drove me to study theology and apologetics and such with such zeal, which really taught me how to think well, arguably, and was what forced me, again arguably, to not so much leave Christianity as much as just not pursue it anymore once we got stateside again. My wife is still a devout Christian, and amazingly, we have a great relationship, in spite of that being the foundation and touchstone of how and why we got together in the first place. I think a lot of it has to do with me not actually being anti-Christian in the way many who lose their faith are, as well as being open to the idea that I am wrong. Plus, church is probably better for her without me correcting the sermons. Plus, I'm pretty darn cute. The kids go to church too. My eight-year-old is autistic and not very verbal, so who knows what she actually believes. My son, five, is very much like myself in that he already has his own theological views and asks a lot of questions. Nobody is going to make that kid believe anything. Most of my issues are theological rather than moral. Some of my morals have changed a bit, but not really the ones that affect my own behavior, aside from pursuing specifically Christian fellowship. 
I'd probably be even more suspicious of myself if all of a sudden I gained all these fun new activities after dumping Jesus. But in spite of not pursuing specifically Christian fellowship, one of my good friends is a guy who runs a discussion group that I attend. He's a very devout Christian and we have interesting talks outside of the group about this stuff. As fate would also have it though, one of my old friends from the church I was a part of in Denver before we headed overseas moved here as well and is in a very similar space as myself. They help keep me honest. The main issues for me really are the silence and the idea that when you really think about it, the Bible demands that I be a better person than God. I have to forgive people who genuinely hurt me. Their sin cost me something, but the God who needs nothing apparently can't let that incident with the ladies undergarment section of the JCPenney catalog go without killing his kid? There are many reasons why it is quite encouraging to find this podcast. As a musician myself, one of the biggest struggles I've had since acknowledging that I cannot own the Christian world, you know, outside of that silly shit about life having meaning, has been writing lyrics, which has always been a thing I take seriously, even if the lyrics themselves aren't. There's no lack of feelings and ideas to express, but the issue has been how, and maybe more importantly, to whom to share them with. I am, like most musicians, a bit of a music snob, but not about the content. I like the two-man gentleman band swinging to a song about chocolate milk, as much as Clutch rocking out to songs about fictional spacemen, as much as guys like ourselves turning their bleeding hearts into Jackson Pollock paintings. But much like the two-year-old you mentioned in an episode, I have all of the wants and preferences, but none of the language I need to express them in this new landscape I find myself in. And all of this happening at what is the peak of my musical powers only adds to the existential angst that can usually be avoided until it can't. Anyway, lest this turn into a novel, thank you for creating this space. And, and I'm kind of glad it happened that way because I didn't really like acknowledge it with my mouth or was able to even like speak to people about what I was feeling until I had talked to Derek about it. Like you're right. probably the first person that I had a real discussion with about like these things. And I'm like, yes, yes, that makes sense. Like, that's exactly how I feel, you know, like I'm that's yes. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I, so I'm kind of grateful it happened this way because yeah. the other years were just kind of like silence, like, you know, just, seeking different things like because I felt like to stay clean like you know I I didn't stay in AA or NA for a long time because I outgrew that you know Mm, like I got I got I got what I needed from that but then there became a point where that wasn't healing anymore for me and um and so I tried to go back to church but that wasn't it either so yeah um the past like couple of years I've like and really the past year um part of what I do now is um it's really funny because without knowing all of the story in between, like where it connects to where I am now, which doesn't really matter. Um, hmm. But something that I used to do about five or six years ago, like I, I've come back to and I'm actually um, I'm, a, I'm a dancer mm-hmm. at a gentleman's club, which is uh, 
what we like to call ourselves, but the world, sure. <laughs> the, yeah. the uneducated world calls us strippers. Absolutely. So, the, definitely um, the uneducated world. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, it's crazy how, um, like different it is for me and how, um, it's actually been like a healing part Absolutely. of like this year. Mm-hmm. And I never, um, really thought I would be able to like, I, and it, I can't say this to a lot of people because they don't understand, but, um, like I get so much power from mm-hmm. myself in that role. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about the sexual side of it. Um, right. just like being okay with who I am and being okay with what I'm doing. Yes. Um, when, you know, growing up with like kind of, you know, the stigmas of anyone in the sex industry mm-hmm. um and it's like been crazy rewarding and I yeah. still feel like weird saying that um like <laughs> as like you know like um every once in a while I'll say something and feel like I'm like being blasphemous you know when I don't really believe in this <laughs> we faith still kind you of know have that knee jerk like, we're just looking over yeah. our shoulders every now and then yeah. yeah 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 but so like when I say that out loud like on a day to day, I don't feel bad about it, but like to admit that, like that I get, I feel empowered by what I do. Um, yeah. And absolutely. you know, it, what's that? I said, absolutely. And it, that, yeah. that makes sense as well, that it's something that has become healing and empowering and connecting, um, for yeah. you because it's, it's, it's all yours. And especially, <laughs> especially in the light of it's all yours, it's all your decision, and it's it's right. in, it's swimming upstream from the thing that you were taught, which was that you weren't uh, allowed yes. to do something like this. And you're like, you know what? Yes. Fuck it, I am, and I am allowed to, and I am doing it. And there's so much, there's so much healing and giving that permission to yourself and making that uh, assertion yes. and living from that. And what you just said that you know that it's my choice, like, yeah. like. When I did it before, it was kind of like, well, it was a thing to make money and I mm-hmm. kind of, it just fit my life at the time and, and it was different. And now, like the other day I had, um, you know, one of our regulars was in with his friend and we were, all three of us were just like having this conversation that was like got philosophical. And um, the friend of the customer that I know looks to me and he says, wow, you're really intelligent. What are you doing here? And I just like... Like almost like oh I made him God. like I made, I made him immediately regret what he said by just oh, the look yes that I gave did. him. Yes, you did. Like, <laughs> like, and I was like, I was like, and and then I broke it down for him, and I was like, if you really want me to answer that, like with real like words, like I'm here because I choose to be. Because I want to be I was here. Like, like by no means do I necessarily like want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't know if I do or if I don't, but but if like, you do, that's also your decision. But if, yeah, and I was like. But I was like, I, like I choose to be here, and that doesn't make me like unintelligent. I'm not here mm-hmm. because I don't have any other options. Right. Like, yeah. And I understand that some women have been in that spot, but like, even if they are, who the fuck are you to say like exactly like anything about it? Um. So it's just what you said about it being a choice. Like, I almost like when I started this last year dancing again. Like, I almost felt like. It was something that, you know, I, I knew how to do, um, I was good at it and, you know, it was supposed to be a temporary, you know, um, 
situation in between, you know, jobs. Mm -hmm. But I ended up staying because it not only like helped me realize everything that we just said, uh, but, you know, it helped me conquer, like, I've, I've had stage fright, like, it helped me with anxiety mm, about, yeah. you know, stage fright, and um, um, it, it just... helps you come into and be fully yeah. at home in your body. Yeah. Like, just completely and... at home with her, because, it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a body, I think any body-based, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess profession would be the word I'm looking for. Like, yeah, anything, any body-based profession that causes you to kind of have to be connected to your movements or We're, connected yes. to your breath. Like that's going to, that's going to be incredibly transformational. Yeah. Um, and it really wasn't, I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't even, even this last year, I didn't even really understand the art that it was. Um, mm. Like I always, like I had an open mind about it. I thought, you know, um, I admired the women who did it and, mm. you know, saw it as a physical art, but yes. I didn't really understand it fully until I, um, ha- just kept going through it as I kept learning. Um, like I literally, like I, I had to rely on my body, but also like, like I had it just, it just taught me a lot of skills, like to trust myself. Um, like, like moments when, you know, and I went through an injury, like during the process and I had to like, let it heal. And I had to listen to my body through that. And I had to stop Mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. And like, and I just, you know, and I went back too early and I learned Mm -hmm. my lesson, but like when I went back again, my body just knew because I listened Mm -hmm. and, and it just, um, but not only that physical, but it's also just given me like, such insight into people and it's given me opportunities to like be there for the women that I work with because I I'm almost certain that like almost every other girl that I dance with doesn't really necessarily see it the way that I do um completely um not to minimize their experience but um like I'm such an empathetic person that it's almost like I the way that we're taught to evangelize with with Christianity it's like I feel like an evangelist for like women, like just period, like, you know, for whatever it is they're going through, Mm -hmm. like, um, and I don't know a better way to say it other than that. Advocate. I mean, you're an advocate. You're an evangelist maybe because that's, that's pretty internal. I think that that being able to be aware of that is, is, is very beautiful. Yeah. Maybe not evangelist because I don't go out there and preach, but like I, 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 you know, I, I connect with people and I listen and yeah. when there's an opportunity, like I stand in. Um, you know, that's and, interesting because that's actually, that's very pastoral. So maybe not evangelistic, but it's very pastoral. Mm-hmm. It's, it's holding a safe space for people. Yeah. It's being a safe space for people. Well, and I, and all the other, in a lot of the other jobs that I've done, I've been in like mentorship roles mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Um, and so that's not it's necessarily of, something you do. It's someone that, it's someone that you are. It's something you take with you yeah. everywhere you go because it's, it's who you are. Yeah. And I, I've always felt that way, especially like, um, going through and like, you know, going through the addiction thing. Like I just, there's nobody in the world that I judge except people who are ignorant and judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like. I have so much empathy for yeah. like almost anyone. And so I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel very like empowered, but yeah. somewhat alone in it. Yeah. Um, but like, okay with that, you know, yeah. like, yeah. um, it's interesting because one of the things I've found for me 
and this, you know, kind of my mirrored process, which is not identical, but involves kind of the faith deconstruction process, coming home to my own body, coming into myself, doing, yeah. doing work in the world that as a woman, um, a lot of people are not very pleased with. Um, yeah, it's one of the things that I found is, is the, the being alone is different now because previously I was a type of alone that was so lonely because I didn't have myself. And now right. I'm a kind of alone whenever that occurs. Yeah. That is not lonely at all, except for maybe yeah. tinges here and there because I'm alone with myself now. I have her right. and she's not going right. anywhere. So in some sense, yes, obviously for the sake of our health and wellness and attachment, like we need healthy interpersonal relationships. But ultimately, yeah. like in some, in a very real sense, I could lose pretty much anyone else and you know, know I would still be okay because I finally have her. That makes so much sense. Be And like, I have this confidence and I think it's more than confidence, um, mm. but it's like the security because yes. before I would have felt like when I say alone, I feel like somewhat alone um, in how strong I am and, you know, not necessarily everyone in my family would agree with, you know, what I do. And like most of my friends are pretty cool, but um, that those moments of feeling alone, like I'm not scared to tell people, most people what I do and yeah. to talk about it with people anymore. Um, even though I know like some people don't agree because I like, I don't, stand alone like you like you just said like I don't stand alone yeah. with nothing like I have yeah. me my yeah my body my and I am okay with like I'm okay with like who I've become yeah I guess yeah and it's and it's that's such that's such necessary and remarkable reclamation work especially as a woman who comes out of a fundamentalist Christian environment because every message we ever received was had something to do with this um, implication that we were not allowed to be on our own. We're not allowed to yes. be care on our own. Like we were being kind of bred for complementarianism. Like we were bred to yes. be a helpmate or a life partner or to be yes. some sort of supporting role. So anything where we're kind of making our way in the world. It's funny because I, I have really owned the title witch in the last year and it's like creeped some people girl, out and then girl, others I've they're fine. Some, I've seen that shit like that you posted and I was like Oh my Specifically god. Specifically sex like, witch. I, <laughs> no, I fucking love that shit because um one of my dancer friends, she's a witch too, and I'm like, I yep. don't really know what the fuck that means, but right. I want to be one. Right. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you what it means. Because I had a client ask me once because I started posting, you know, things about and it says on my website and I have business cards that literally say sex witch. And so I had a client yeah. ask me, um, basically what what does that mean it was a female client she was like I I'm curious and you know the previous fundamentalist in me is a little bit nervous but like what does it mean and I found myself I suddenly had an answer for her my body suddenly had this answer for her that I didn't really think I had before because honestly yeah. the business card started out as a joke and then they became serious but yeah a witch is if you if you look back and you look at the long lineage of women who mm -hmm. were called witches they were independent women there were women who are making their way in the world and and who were who were earning their income in manners that were swimming upstream from from what was allowed of them within these like patriarchal so you're authoritarian an constructs. Entrepreneur. Yes, that's literally you're just it. a women yep. entrepreneur. Yep. Witches with... were just doctors or healers yeah. or or yeah. you know just oh, women yeah. who and especially witches were women who um, it, there was a there was a whole thing where like specific doctors once. Um, 
once like men kind of started taking over the profession of healers and it became connected to um, like gaining profit from it. There was a hierarchical structure basically saying that like, okay, well, the poor can't have doctors. It's, that's, it's a really simple way of putting it. And so witches, they were called witches, were the women, the healers, the herbalists, the medicine women yeah. who were going and taking care of the poor. Like... And, and and they were making, they were not only kind of 50% contributing and giving away, but they were also the other 50% were living independently from, from a marriage relationship and a partnership with a man where he was providing uh, for and she was, and she was kind of at his mercy. Yes. Right. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I have a space of large space within me that is very passionate about reclaiming that terminology. Um, coming, coming out of a fundamentalist environment where we were, um, we were bred for you know to just be a man's partner and then to just be yeah. a woman who like stands on her own Stand, um, yeah it's it's incredibly liberating it's and it's to me and that's again kind of roping back into the whole I, I don't feel alone in the same ways that I used to anymore because I yeah. am one with my body now on a level that I never thought I would be able to arrive at so yeah yeah, yeah. that's how I feel mm-hmm. yeah for the past at least year, like I have been referring to myself, I call myself a goddess, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's yeah. been part of my term, my language to like, not necessarily even tell other people or put it out there for other people to know how confident and how much I love my body and who mm-hmm. I am, but also just like telling myself, yes, you know, like, absolutely. like every day, like you're a fucking goddess and you're worthy like you know you don't need um you know this god who doesn't exist to like mm-hmm. fucking um you know affirm that or a, and man a male god or, nonetheless yeah yeah <laughs> a male deity um, to tell you what to and do it's, and, and it started out um actually you know I started it started out with that rebellious side like you know like yeah. well but and then it just it's less about um rebelling against something mm-hmm. and more just like being what I like who I want to be. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with me. I'm just, and I'm, and I'm incredibly proud of you. And I know that might be weird because I don't actually know you, but um, I am just, I'm incredibly proud of, of you and who you have been strong enough and brave enough to build yourself into and I you know and settle into being the woman that you know that you are in spite of all of these different circumstances that tried to rob you of that experience and rob you of that knowing um and I I just and also I just I want to say it's it's coming up well actually it was yesterday was was the anniversary but five years ago um yesterday I I lost a friend to a heroin overdose um, yeah, and it's a it's a fucking hell of a drug, and yeah. you are so powerful for yeah. being able to save yourself um, coming out yeah. of that. And I just I I just want to tell you that I'm so proud of you for doing that and for hearing yourself and hearing your body um, and letting kind of the, one of the things I I like to say a lot is that my body saved my life. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I am just really proud of you and proud of your body for saving your life. And you, you know, like the, the last thing I'm going to say on that is like, and I didn't even really think of it till now, till what you just said, like saving my own life mm-hmm. and like my body saving my life. But literally like 
my son finding out that he was, you know, inside of me when I was getting mm. clean, like he, that gave me the motivation where, oh. and like five months earlier, like I had an abortion, but for some reason I decided to, you know, yeah. um, I was going to do this and I was going to yeah. live and like this, this baby was going to be the reason I was, mm. I was going to live. And maybe that wasn't like, that shouldn't be like anyone's motivation at the time, you know, or like, um, you know, at the time it's what I needed for motivation. Yes. Like ultimately, like now, like I know that I am like my motivation, but literally like my body, like something growing in my body, like mm. saved my life. Yeah. Like, and I just, listen, I listened and decided to keep it. So yeah. I don't know. That's oh, that's um, so amazing. That's so beautiful. I love that. Wow. Um, well, man, I feel like this will for sure not be the last time we talk. <laughs> I, I would be shocked yeah. by that. Um, Thanks for letting me like cry in your shoulder a little bit. Cause it's like, I really haven't yeah. like, like cried about this or really um, like shared my story in such a way um, other than bits and pieces. Mm. But like, like, and it, it makes sense to me now, like to be able to, to say it out loud, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's tr it's honestly an honor to hold that space for you, and it's also you know it's really good to to hold that space with people and bear witness to that. I think, in spite of the twenty plus years I spent in the church, the work I do now is by far the holiest work I've ever done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. I'm glad to have uh, met you over the phone because I have heard many good things about you as well. That's and, okay. Uh, Thank you. All right, Jamie. Thank you so well, much. Have a, good, have a good rest of your day. Thanks. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. As always, thanks for listening and engaging with us as we attempt to create a place of safety and trust. If you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Erring Grief. And if you can, give us a star rating and review on iTunes, which does a lot to help make us visible. You can see all episodes, companion essays, and get info about our team or how to share your own story at theairingofgrief.com. As of the airing of this episode, we are still taking calls for this season, and we would love to share some space with you. For information about supporting what we're doing at the Airing of Grief, check us out on Patreon. Details about our Slack community, our goals, and other things offered to patrons can be found there. We're still doing our monthly video chats and releasing bonus content there as well. And that's all for now, but we'll see you again next week, after church, for the Airing of Grief.